calling this episode Roaring On. Hey, <laughs> Stu? I see what you did there, Natalie. Well done. Yeah. And the reason Stu is laughing, listeners, is because we attempted this podcast a couple of days ago and my Skype crashed and I lost the thing, but then I found the thing again and then we just decided, screw it, let's start over. So welcome to the Tiger King episode of Raven On. <laughs> a uh, very special episode. I am Natalie Bohensky, if that wasn't obvious enough by the uh, shambolic presentation. <laughs> uh, and Stuart Lake joins me via Skype. How are you, Stuart? Hello, Natalie. I'm very well. How are you? Look, I'm I'm going well. Uh, I, today, photographed and uploaded a whole bunch of receipts to drives on the internet, so hopefully bookkeeping can be done. Well, this is the thing. I think to, to explain for people the reason that our, our last episode uh, crashed and burned halfway through, like we literally were cut off halfway through the episode yeah. because uh, Skype crashed and most of your computer crashed Yeah. Uh, because it was straining at the seams. Yes. Uh, it's a five-year-old uh, laptop that is just absolutely chock-a-block. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I am uh, investigating getting a new one, which is kind of a terrible thing to do at this time money-wise because I have no work, but also... I, uh, my accountant has said that that should be okay because I was going to try and do it before the end of the financial year anyway. And there's the asset write-off thing. So this is all very Australian tax information <laughs> specific. So that, that's what we are now. We're an Australian tax information <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's very niche, but a lot, lots of people it has a really engaged following. <laughs> it does. So we are obviously, I don't even want to say mid-pandemic because, God, who knows? Oh, how we're not, no, not not mid. Don't say mid. Yeah, we are <laughs> late stages. Let's say late stages of the pandemic. It's all over soon, Stu. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, it's all right. Godo is going to be here just, just in an hour or so. <laughs> and we won't have to wait any longer. He'll come today. I'm sure he will. Um, love those Samuel Beckett references. Oh, That's yes. why people tune in. That's it. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so Stu is being a journalist and being dedicated and writing and researching and interviewing and following up and all of those good journalist things. And I am sitting at home trying to work out what to do with my life. <laughs> and I think... Now, now both- the, the common thing is we're both doing it in our underpants. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's what's really bringing us together as a nation, as friends and widely as a nation. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're all in our underpants together. I was having a brief chat with Amy Curry, who, of course, I do the shows uh, Love, Hate, Actually and uh, Puppies vs. Kittens, which hopefully we'll do again one day, uh, the newer show. And uh, I was having a chat to her going, I feel like I've got three outfits. I've got my pyjamas. I've got active wear because I've been trying to get out and go for a walk, you know, that kind of thing, fresh air and all that. Socially distancing appropriate, of course. I go into of the Of course, park. of course. I go into the Roma Street Parklands where there is nobody uh, except slight tangent. There are buff dudes working out in the Roma Street Parklands. Oh. I've been for a walk the past four mornings in a row. (laughs) Yes. And every morning these buff dudes are there. Now, I'd say they're maybe a metre apart, but they're both Mm -hmm. shirtless and they're sweating a lot. 
there's sort of there's like an overpass kind of bridge and a, with sure. a little side section and it's got some I guess sort of bits of brickwork and stuff that they're hooking up their resistance bands to and they're just there in their short shorts buff as fake tan on maybe it's a real tan because they're in the sunshine with no shirt on uh and they're just doing their you know hips thrusts and butt squats and arm tricep dips and anyway I make sure to slow down just to get past that slot of the bridge you know because I think yes. it's important that I pay, pay <laughs> I think it's important that I bear witness to them working out to make sure that they're being safe that's right exactly yeah you need to make sure they're socially distancing properly yeah. um you know and also you know their their form's good Yes. Uh, you know, you right. don't want to strain a hammy or, or do your back uh, in the, in these times. You know, who needs, well that, who needs that hassle? Well, it's a well-known thing that often, you know, as a woman in a gym, like I have to walk up to guys all the time and tell them what they're doing wrong with their form. It's your burden and your privilege. It's a, it's a service that I provide as someone who knows how the weights work. Mm. Uh, that I just like to get in there and go, hey, let me help you out. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, my gym, tangent again, my gym is generally pretty good with that. You don't get hassled much, which is really good. That's good. But that I is good. Have, I did have a chap help me out, but I mean, I was, you've never seen someone so relieved as when this chap helped me out on this new bit of machinery that's like a, um, it's like a glute thruster. So it looks like a mini right. torture instrument. You have to get in there. Imagine doing a backwards crab walk, right? Yes. Like so, not not walking, but just you're in that position where you, mm. you you're thrusting your hips to the sky, uh, and the idea is you slide into this machine. It puts a, a weight, a resistance weight across your hips, so that when you're pushing upwards, it's adding weight to sure. the thrust. It's a very sexual piece of machinery. Stuart. That's right. Yes, I would imagine. Yes, I mean any any machine or exercise that includes thrusting, just by its yeah. very nature, you know, you can't get away from it. I don't think you've seen a least erotic sight than me <laughs> in my sweaty gym gear, oversized T-shirt, hair up and sweat, like red-faced. There's absolutely nothing erotic about it. And I I just – I not like I wish – in my head I look all very glamorous, like I'm in, the, you know, a film clip where they have lots of women exercising in G-strings and sure, stuff. Sure, yes, yes, And yes. nobody ever sweats. In film, in film clips and stuff, people never sweat. Well, they do, but there's always just a light spritz, you know. That's yeah, just or it's more a, of a glow than a sweat. Yeah, it's like a sexy sort of. Oh, I've worked out, now I'm ready for action. Whereas <laughs> I, I look like I've been through some sort of intense, torturous sort of. Anyway, um, but yes, I couldn't get into this machine properly, and I broke it. Like I, or I, I dropped the wrong lever. Oh. And yeah. so the whole thing went kajunk and I almost hurt myself. Anyway, I was trying to put it back together and there was a group of men standing off to one side, but they'd obviously got the memo like don't harass women in the gym. So they just weren't helping, which part of me was like, I appreciate that they're not coming to help me <laughs> because they're keeping their distance and they're not hassling me. They're not assuming they know better than I do. But at the same time, I was like, I fucking don't know what I'm doing here. I've wrecked the equipment. Anyway, this very nice chap came up to me and was like, hey, can I give you a hand? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, please, please help please, me. Please, please help me. I am inferior. <laughs> this is not a gender thing. This is a Natalie thing. I need help from anybody who's willing. Um, so, yeah, so I, I decided to stop and watch the buff dudes um, creepily and press on. But, yes, I'm socially distancing walking. But my three outfits are my active wear, pyjamas, and then this strange combination of, like, beach shorts, sort of, right, right. 
you know, and, and a Game of Thrones T-shirt, which is what I'm currently wearing because it's a comfortable, soft cotton shirt that I got from Kmart. That's right. And it just feels comfortable. It just so, feels right. Yeah. It feels like a memory of a, of a, of a simpler time. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I, I think I said that to someone the other day. Like, remember when this time last year we all were just into hating Game of Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you wish for that time back? That was, that was the biggest story like in the world was the fact that like Game of Thrones was dropping the ball in its final season. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I still get YouTube throwing up at me from time to time why Game of Thrones went so bad, Yeah. why the last episode sucked or what went wrong or this is how it should have ended. All, all, still... all those videos are an hour and a half long and they're all listed as part one of seven. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I don't mind a long watch on the YouTubes. I don't mind it, but I haven't had the guts to sit down and watch it yet because I'm 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 still yet to go back and actually watch that season again. And yes. I, I want to do that and kind of reformulate my opinions, hopefully write about them for the audience mm. and try and get that. And I don't want to be swayed by what people might point out to me and I'll be like, oh yeah, oh, maybe I maybe I should have hated. Uh, <laughs> Well, when did when did the last season start? Was it about it was about April May that it went through? Oh, it was so too. I, I That's think right, yeah. I think we come I think it would have been like thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth of April. Some I think it was the fourteenth of April. I don't know yes, why. Yes, we're actually we're, we're coming up on, so on we're, when it would have been. We're literally coming up to that beautiful time when I was doing my show Raven on and getting so excited about oh my god what's going to happen and it's going to be amazing and um that lovely anticipation. <laughs> and then then and, and then, then what happened? And then what happened? Um, but we're not here to talk about Game of Thrones again. I mean, maybe. We'll <laughs> we're, see. we're still casting about. A year later, we're still casting about for well, ideas. So, I mean, you know. The thing is, <laughs> I have heard that uh, I think Tiger King's been referred to like as the Game of Thrones of the big cat world. <laughs> well, someone did. I, I retweeted it uh, a little while ago, but someone did an amazing tweet. Uh, linking like all the Game of Thrones characters to their to their analogs in Tiger King, and yes. most of it hangs together actually pretty well. And like, I realised that little uh, gif, and if I if I can find it again, I'll post it alongside uh, this this podcast. But they compared um, Carol Baskin to Cersei Lannister. To Cersei Lannister, yes. And they compared Jamie Lannister to Saf, the who had his arm eaten off by a tiger. Now, yes. slight different way of losing an arm. I feel like that's the only reason they've compared those two is they've lost uh, an arm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. They've compared Jon Snow to Joe Exotic, and that really made me go, no. That was That's the one that doesn't really work. But and then, you, know I who, mean, you know who it does work? Who, who wasn't on that list? Who's that? And who, who isn't on that list as another character? Joe Exotic, Daenerys Targaryen. <laughs> Why? Oh, that, that, that's perfect. It's perfect. It works. The blonde hair, the bleached blonde hair, yep. the kind of uh, having... Has ha large, dangerous pets that, she, yeah, that she's exactly. very irresponsible with. Bewitches people into following her, him. And ends up blowing up their entire life. Yeah, and Joe has this weird... Also, the fire episode. <laughs> <laughs> he literally burned down the studio that has alligators in it. For some reason, that works. I don't know. It just fits in. <laughs> it really does. Like it just, yeah. There's there's parallels. There's there's drama. There's a cast of characters. It's fantastic. There is. So we're here to chat about Tiger King, the Netflix documentary craziness that yes. dropped. Um, <laughs> the Netflix portal into pure insanity. Oh, look. 
I um, we'll get it. We we we'll get into our little uh, minute of challenge. But I have noticed that there's a little bit of, and we'll get into this. But there's a little bit of backlash happening in terms of the oh, it's exploitative or nobody's good in this series, and it's all yeah. We've kind of we've hit the we've hit the point and, where everyone's done the the initial take of oh, this is this is amazing. This is absolutely insane. You guys have to watch this. And now we're hitting the contrary wave of takes where people yeah. are like actually it's not that good actually it's it's really bad actually it's exploitative and it's like no no guys guys let, let's all just agree that this is just a pure you know seven episodes of pure joy from start to finish <laughs> um <laughs> well i just i want to say just in regards to the animal um elements of it and the animal cruelty and i've seen a lot of people say that i just can't watch it i you know tuned in there was a snow leopard in the back of a van and i could i can't handle animal cruelty and i had to turn off sure and it's a trigger for a lot of people it is and i don't like like clearly having big cats in captivity it's not a good idea it's not their environment it's it's morally wrong it's ethically wrong it should be legally wrong and hopefully it will be after shows like this come out but at the same time i think it's important to kind of witness that and for me as well, it's also about seeing how captivating these animals are and how I would still, like, God, I'd love to pet a tiger, you know? <laughs> well, you like do. I, I mean, like, they're, they're incredible animals. And, I mean, like, there's a, there's a they say it in the in the show that there's this, there's this magnetism to these big cats. And there is. Like, if you've ever seen one in a zoo or, you know, if you've ever seen one in the wild, I've been lucky enough to do both. You know, you there's just a power to them. There's a, there's a real fascination to them. And you can totally understand why people are drawn to them. But it, it, mm. it does seem to attract complete yes. lunatics. Yes. <laughs> so why don't we quickly start then with our one-minute challenge and then we can get into all sorts of uh, other we topics. definitely but- will. I guess we should put up we should put up the top that uh, like like obviously spoilers for the Netflix series Tiger King. Yeah. Uh, if for some reason you haven't seen it yet, uh, I think everyone on the planet has seen this now, so that's good. Well, that's really this good. Is the thing. I was just looking up when it actually did drop because I've been trying to remember because of pandemic, I had sort of forgotten in the haze of when I saw this and just checking the dates, I actually did see this the day it dropped. Oh, wow. Which is weird for me because I never see anything first up. This is me (laughs) we're talking about. But I had been uh, doing some stuff at home and then I flicked on Netflix quite later in the evening and this doco showed up as new on Netflix Tiger sure. King, and I recognised Joe Exotic from a Louis Thoreau documentary oh, that yes, had been yes, in yes, absolutely. in 2011, just called America's Most Dangerous Pets. And I remember I was like, oh, that's that guy, because he's pretty distinctive. And um, and so I thought, Murder Madness Mayhem. I'm a true crime fan. I'll watch this. And within you know a few minutes, I was like, holy crap! And I watched probably half of it that night into the early morning. The rest of it the next day. And those were the first two days it was it was open because I remember people, uh, Greg and Dan from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast have both told me, hey, you're really on top of that one. You were like the first person I saw tweeting about that. You're on the, the, the crest of the wave of the zeitgeist. Yeah, and I wish I'd done more with that. Like if I had to write something up about it, I could be at the actually contributing something to the pop cultural discussion. Um, but I just sort of consumed it in this big lump. And then when you had tweeted that you just finished watching it, and I said, let's podcast about it. I went, okay, I'm going to watch it again. So I've watched it twice now. Yeah, well, well, and this is the thing too, because the the nature of the nature of my life, I have a, I have a small child and I'm very busy, and I I you know a lot of people are self isolating at the moment and they don't have a lot to do. But I my job is, you know, like uh, taking up a lot of my time. But yep. uh, 
that um that that means that I would get time for basically these episodes are about 45 to 50 minutes long and I could watch one a night. Yeah. And so it was that thing where I would watch one and then the con- the construction of the series is such that every single episode you just want to watch the next one. Yes. Right? Like all you want to do is watch the next one and every single night I would have to force myself to go to bed. Yeah. Um, and it was insane. Like I, I watched it over the course of about a week and a half and it was amazing. Yeah. To first of all, to experience a show like that again, because normally, you know, on Netflix, you can just burn through an entire series if you want to. And a lot of people did with Tiger King. They sort of mm. because it's it has such such propulsive momentum. It just yes. sort of pushes you into the next episode. And everything gets crazier and crazier. That's right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's actually a masterclass. And I really do want to talk about like. The, the, like the underlying construction of it all, if that's not yeah. too inside baseball, but like it is astonishing how well this thing is put together. Mm. Um, but like just the idea of experiencing a show in an episodic format and then most of the world doing the same thing at about the same time. Like this is, this is the first streaming show that's really hit where it feels like an old school you know, broadcast television Television, yeah. you know, like an, an event TV in the same way that Game of Thrones was, in the same way that a lot of series were previously that would air week to week and everyone would talk about them all at once. We're all talking about Tiger King because everyone's inside. No one has anything else to do. Yes. They're all watching this insane. And and right, this is, this is you know, in a, in a grim irony, some of the best timing in the history of the world. Yes. Where this insane documentary drops right as everyone is locked in their houses with nothing else to do. Yeah. You know, like everyone is talking about this thing. It's an it's astonishing. Uh and I just think it has something for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's and that's ter- that's terrible to say. I know that, but I think just the the fact that you've got so many insane just personalities and egos. Yes. And at a time when we all have to be very kind of quiet and in our houses and just keeping our heads down because shit's going down out in the world to kind of watch these people who, and I hate to use the cliche larger than life, but you know, these are unscripted, unmanaged, unleashed um, people. Mm. And, and so you kind of get to live vicariously through this sort of crazy life that they all have. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. And tie it ties in. And I keep seeing that they're talking about doing a, a tiger King movie or something well, based and, on these that, people. That's really fascinating. Because and I was like, why? 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 Well, well, yeah, exactly. Like, like having seen this documentary, um, it just seems completely redundant. Like, we have the movie, and it, it's a seven-hour movie. That what I love is that that's actually not based on Tiger King, the Netflix documentary. That's based on the podcast. Oh, the pod. Yeah, that came out late too, last year, right? Yeah, by an entirely different. By an entirely different like team. Yeah. So, like, there's been a complete like. Obviously, Joe Exotic is a is a known entity in the United States, and I think. Yeah. People who are aware of weirdos know who he is. And yeah. he's sort of like like Louis Thoreau has done things on him. He's been on the news. Like they show news reports. Yeah, you know, he's uh, obviously a well-known local character. That's right. Uh, but I don't think anyone knew the depth of, of the crazy shit that was going on yeah. at his place. So it's it's like he's everyone knew vaguely that this there was this crazy guy down in the American South who who like owned a, a tiger zoo. But just the the level of insanity that was going on was completely unknown until this podcast happened. And then, obviously, off the back of that, 
that's what is going to be the basis of this new movie, apparently, if it still goes ahead. Because I think, like, it is completely redundant. I mean, I don't know how you make a movie that's anywhere close to the reality. Like, like the, the whole point of this is that it's so insane that it can only be true. Like, if you yes. make a movie out of this, it just becomes ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, yeah. Anyway, let's do our um, our minute challenge. Do you want to go first or should I go first? I didn't yeah, get... yeah, I can go first. Um, okay. Uh, so this is my minute challenge. And the very first thing I wrote after about 30 seconds of thinking, we have, <laughs> we have a minute. And it took me about 30 seconds to literally just write, where do you start? Like, where do you start listing the various points of, of discussion about this series? You know, do you know what I wrote? What did That's you write? my first thing. Only in America. <laughs> only, in, only in America, yeah, exactly. That was the first thing that I could just think of was how do you sum up this story and it is like an only in America. It is, it is the the living embodiment of the phrase only yeah. in America. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah, anyway. But the, the next thing I wrote was uh, what I wonder what happened to the Tigers, right? Yes. Because, oh, yes. You know, obviously, like, Joe sold a bunch of them at one point like towards the end when shit was going south mm. uh he sold a bunch he killed a bunch uh he definitely there was still tigers at the zoo when he was when he left and and didn't come back and i assume joe still has a bunch of them like apparently the gw zoo is still open and he's building that new zoo at the moment uh so you know like this what happened jeff. to the tigers jeff? this a uh, jeff sorry jeff yes. yeah 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 um oh uh, my god that guy yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's this whole thing of, of like, what actually happened to the tigers? Like, what, what I love is that I was reading a little bit about it. Um, some of the tigers have made their way to shelters, apparently. Um, I, I, was re I was reading this just today. I, I, uh, some of the tigers have made their way to shelters, but then others have like made it into private collections and things like that. And it's like, yeah. oh man, it sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Like at the heart of this freak show is this idea that, you know, big cats are being bred and living in cap in like tiny cages all across America. Mm. And it's still like this legally gray area where it is technically illegal, but it's very easy to get your hands on a tiger. If you want one it's so again, crazy. again, with the only in America thing, like you can just buy a tiger if you want. You know, and it's not legal, but it's also available. Yeah. Just like, like I mean, like th think about you. What you wake up one morning and say, you know what, the the the, the jerks aren't enough. <laughs> I would quite like a tiger. All right. Where do you even start? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Whereas in America, you can probably say to someone, hey, I'm thinking about buying a tiger, and they're like, I know a guy. Yeah. It's yeah. It, 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 it and the weird uh sort of thread running through that it's like a a, a civil liberties issue yes, you know yeah. like i am like you'll never take my like guns. guns you'll never take yeah. my large predatory cats yeah. it's just it's so so strange uh and it's again that sort of thing where you just can't understand but then i i've seen i've got a friend in michigan who started watching it obviously a few days after the 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 wave sort of started and she was like, who are these people? Is this what we're like? Is this what people think of us? And I think I posted like a, a gif of a bald eagle in sunglasses behind like an exploding American flag or something like a really tacky sort of America. Um, 
And it is, it is, I think, uh, for a lot of Americans, just as shocking as it is for the rest yes. of us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but maybe maybe they just have to, like, go, hang on, who who keeps a tiger? But, the, I mean, the thing is about America, Americans have um, sugar gliders, Australian sugar gliders, because in the 60s and 70s, before yes. before government started think, going, you know, actually the wildlife trade is a bit shit, let's clamp down on it. People took sugar gliders out of Australia by the bucket load mm. because they're really small and you can hide them in suitcases and you take them to New York or San Francisco or whatever. And, and they're cute. Were, they're little and cute. They're little and cute. And so they just started breeding them over there. So they've got huge populations of sugar gliders that people have. And monkeys, you know, people that's, you know, quite well-known Americans have monkeys. Yes. And yeah, yeah. You just have, like in Friends, in the first season, Ross had a monkey, or the first two seasons or something. Yeah, he did. And yeah, he had and a monkey. It, it was it was played as like wacky, but also not as something that was unusual for him to have. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a cool character quirk. And maybe I mean they wrote the monkey out, uh, and I wonder if it was because, you know, the monkey was charging too much. Uh, but also probably because <laughs> that, they that monkey was to, a diva. Yeah. <laughs> they started to um maybe look at sort of the logistics of animals in uh, performing animals. And it's, it's strange because I still think there's something lovely about seeing animals interacting with humans and uh, you know, and this is where, and this is where I have my own moral ethics gray area where I go, actually, I really love sometimes seeing animals do, you know, I went to, I took a friend out to Lone Pine Sanctuary a few months back when they were in town and she wanted to pat kangaroos and hold a koala mm. and she was thrilled. And I always love getting up close and patting kangaroos. It's lovely. And they're just such slack, like whatever. <laughs> they really are. They're not putting on a show. That yeah, They are always just, just lying in the shade. They're just lying, enjoying the food and going, yep, I'll yeah, pat me, that's fine. And it's nice interaction. And then they have like the little farm show where they show a sheepdog mm. um, gathering, herding sheep. And I suppose that's a show, but also it's also a – farming thing so it's like are they being that's always struck me as weird about lone pine is that uh, well if anyone doesn't know like lone pine koala sanctuary is is in brisbane and it's just a it's it's a zoo but it has mostly uh, native animals and they but they also have like a sheepdog show that they do where they have like sheep and cows and goats and things and like they do like a little the dog will round up the sheep it's just and it's it's such just, a yeah. good dog. He's, He's a good so boy. <laughs> They're just so clever, a little kelpie dog, and it's just like, come over here. No, not that way, this way. And the sheep are like, okay, do 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 do. It's like really sweet to see. And that's and then am I bad because I like seeing performing animals? Am I bad? Because well, in that situation, case- it's domesticated animals. I think the point is that a lot of people are, that people get frustrated and angry about is that like it's wild animals that are being forced to sort of perform for humans' amusement. But you know, so on, cute on the other side, they, they are so very cute. cute. <laughs> and they're little baby tigers. Anyway, and this is just what I want to discuss is that that's the. I think it's very easy for people to immediately take the moral high ground of oh, this is terrible, this is terrible, but there is a sort of a to me anyway, this grey area of going, well, if, if someone let me do a tiger experience, like I really want to do a giraffe experience up at Australia Do they Australia Do Australia Zoo? They do, you know, you can book a, you can feed a giraffe. Do and they? I hadn't seen that. that you can, I think so. Giraffes are my favourite. They don't let you animal. ride them, surely. No, sadly, I um, broke in and tried, <laughs> but um, anyway, we won't talk about that. But I can't leave the country for three years. Um, but anyway. Um, 
No, but giraffes are my favorite animals. And just the act of being able to like feed a giraffe would be amazing to me. And I don't want to hurt the giraffe or make the giraffe feel exploited, uh, you know, and hard done by. But, uh, you know, so I guess to me that's what I found fascinating about this is that I do see why it's attractive to like pet a cup or, you know, but I I see the exploitation and the, where the criminal underside, the underbelly comes into it. Yes. And that's what I think this documentary does really well is show what's behind the simple act of, oh, you pet a tiger well, here and think it's okay, but actually you're supporting this industry of. Sure. And, and that, that's what I think. I'm not comparing, I'm not comparing, I just want to be straight. I'm not comparing zoos or legitimate wildlife sanctuaries and stuff to, uh, the people of the in. people in this documentary. I want to make that clear. Like I know there are people out there who don't like zoos or, or sanctuaries in any case and believe that all animals yes. should be in the wild yeah. and in an ideal world. Yes, they should be. But we live in a world where orangutans forests are being cut down for things. So yes. having a program where we can keep them going is probably just a compromise we have to make. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, um, why don't you go on with your list? You? <laughs> Well, I was just going to say to, to that point, I, I, I think if people are coming at this from like an animal rights or, or like a conservation mindset, like it, it, they're kind of missing the point of the documentary. And I know I, the, the documentary kind of swerves at the very end where they sort of say, you know, you know, all this craziness is going on. All the all these millions of dollars has been spent in courts and, and doing various things. And, yeah. you know, meanwhile, like the tigers are the ones who are suffering. Yes. Um, and and that's very true, but that's not what this documentary is about, really. Like like that's a, a that's a nice little moral that they've tacked on the end of it. But that's right. You know this this documentary is about the fact that for whatever reason, probably because you know a combination of the fact that they're tigers and big cats, the fact that a lot of it is illegal, so you you get that seedy underbelly, but just something about big cat breeding in the United States attracts exclusively insane people. <laughs> Right? Like that is that is what this documentary is about. Yeah. And, and they've chosen one insane cat breeder to hang their hat on, and they've and they've then used him as a window into this world of just complete insanity. Mm. You know, like that's the point of the documentary. If you're coming at it going, oh yeah, but like tigers are exploited, and I don't like that, blah blah blah. It's like, no, you you've completely missed the point of what this this show is. This yeah. show is about insane people doing insane things. For, for insane reasons. It's, it's amazing. Uh, anyway. Uh, so so with that in mind, my the next point on my list is, are we absolutely sure that this isn't some sort of Sasha Baron Cohen-like character? <laughs> like, are we absolutely sure that Joe Exotic isn't a performance art piece? He's, by, gone, like, he's you know, gone deep. This he's isn't gone. the latest, like, Jim Carrey joint or something that's happening. Yeah, like, like when Joaquin Phoenix went on talk yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretending <laughs> to be mad. Uh, he was promoting Joker at the time. Hey, oh, boom, tish. Uh, uh, have we have we checked? Are we absolutely sure? I don't know I, if uh, Sasha Baron Cohen could change his appearance to lose the height required to be Joe Exotic because he's not a he's not a big guy. He's like Joe, a, Joe Exotic. No, he's yeah. he's a he's a little guy. He's a scrappy. He's a scrappy. He's a yeah. Brawl. Scrappy is yeah. Scrappy is the word. Yeah. Um, makes up for it for, with outfits. <laughs> That, yes. Oh, yes. Exactly. His his ego is twice his height. Oh, yeah. Um, but what, what what's even what's made that even harder, like of a distinction for me, is the fact that like a lot of people have said, oh, um, 
David Spade needs to play Joe Dirt in the eventual movie, right? Yeah. You know, uh, to, needs to play Joe Exotic rather because he played Joe Dirt. Um, but you know, uh, David Spade has like a, a YouTube channel apparently, and has been doing nothing for the last three weeks but interview people from the documentary, like actual the actual people. Like I think just recently he talked to Saf and he's talked to a but he talked to um the uh the presenter the guy in the black cowboy hat who like opens the documentary. Wow. Uh, like he's been doing nothing but talking to everyone. I mean, he's he's obsessed with his documentary <laughs> and because he's famous he has access so he just he just gets them on his little internet show. Yeah. Wow. Right. Like that's insane. I I, I can't imagine having that level of influence where you're like, I really like this show. I'd like to personally speak to everyone involved and then yeah. go do that. I'll have that, to go find that out. That's just another layer to this. I didn't know that that was happening. I'm going to have to go track that down Yeah, now. he's done a bunch of interviews. I've only seen like a bit of uh, the one with the producer guy, uh, but it's, yeah, it's just crazy because he's the guy everyone's saying needs to play <laughs> Joe Exotic and he's yeah. interviewing everyone. It's like, are you doing research, research. right now? Like, research. Is this, <laughs> he's, he's going method. That's it. He's going full method, and he's getting like YouTube dollars out of it. It's crazy. Um, and then the final point uh, that I had is that Carol Baskin definitely killed her husband. Oh, uh, no. okay. <laughs> point counterpoint. I don't know if I believe that, but I, I'm standing by that as a statement. <laughs> um, I this is really interesting because I've I've been involved in a bit of a chat today with a um uh in a murderinos group that i'm in <laughs> yes i imagine they had a few things to talk about in this documentary someone said and this is actually in my list uh someone said well let me go through my my list briefly yeah, and yeah, yeah. so that, that's my list like, yeah. so my list was just only in america uh and i wrote joe i'd seen joe previously on a louis thoreau uh documentary which was i think 2011 but i've written but wow things really escalated <laughs> Yes. Um, it shows the inhumanity of, of keeping tigers in captivity. That, yes. That's my point to be to be nice. Uh, Doc Antle's cult, WTF. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Exotic's many husbands <laughs> who, who, who possibly weren't gay. Neither, whole... yeah, it seems like neither of them were actually like full. I mean, you know, gen, gender is a spectrum. Uh, you know, that's yeah, a whole no, thing. But there's a certain amount, for me anyway, there's a certain amount of predatory behavior. Oh, yes. Oh, there. God, yes. Yeah, 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 and, absolutely. And I'm not trying to reflect on people, but there's there's a certain amount of influence going on there. And my last point was uh, Carol Baskin, rough end of the stick. Now, and, and I wrote that, and then just today I've had this conversation where someone has obviously, you know, watched the documentary, seen all the chat about it, and gone, right, I need to say something. And she's in a post saying, I think everyone keeps saying – Carol Baskin fed her husband to the Tigers. But I think she's gotten she's she's been mistreated because the other people in the documentary are so much worse than her. It's never been proven that she fed her husband to the Tigers. All these men are out there doing this crazy shit and they're arguably far worse than she is. She's That's the one true, who yes. like it or not, her approach to helping Tigers is better now than any of the others. Um you know, the fact that Joe Exotic has got people going, he was set up or whatever, is ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, she'd obviously thought about this and gone, I have to say this. And so she had a lot of people going, I agree, you know. And, and so I wrote, I'm, I'm totally with you because, and I think why, 
coming from my theatre nerd, artsy nerd background, the concept of feeding your husband to the tigers is just much more epic. It's like Medea level of Greek theatre. It's like that, yeah. the revenge sort of aspect, the the because her, her second husband, Don Lewis, who we might talk about, but he's the guy who she met. She was young. He was 20 years older than her. You know, this relationship seemed a bit odd. They and, seemed and, to and keep... he was a was a predatory tiger breeder. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, like it and just she, oh. she was the one who seemed to sort of change the way that they were dealing with the tigers. And then yes. all of a sudden he disappears or has he run off to Puerto Rico or Costa Rica uh, and, you know, <laughs> what happens. But then this idea that she killed him and fed him to the tigers, that's like a Greek – that's like Greek theatre. Like that's well, – that's, Well, it's incredible. It's incredible uh, television is what it is. It, yes, um, but, but the concept the, – the, 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 the Joe Exotics and the Jeff Lowe and the Doc Hantle, they're just egotistical narcissists doing yes. – <laughs> bullshit to big up their egos but carol baskin is far more complex and i yes. think that's why i do think and the, the, the interesting thing is i do think she's also an egotistical narcissist not but, denying that but, but but that's that's what's fascinating though because she's kind of it's this weird funhouse mirror where she's absolutely not as bad as the documentary paints her out to be the, the documentary tries to make her into like you know, she tries to make he tries to make her into a nemesis for Joe, which mm. she is. But you know, because it, almost everything we're seeing is from Joe's point of view. You know, like like we get interviews with Carol and her husband, but we're we're definitely like Joe Joe Exotic is the protagonist of of Tiger King. Yeah, and you know because of that, because of the way they've chosen to frame it, it does paint her in the villain role, and she's not. Like she's absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But it's fun to, to to think of her as this villainous and character. Because, because she's got this strange backstory and because she's got this odd husband who posed on their wedding day, you know, <laughs> in a cat suit, you just, you know, they probably thought that was a bit of fun and then it just takes on so many more So many layers and meanings. Times. like when you, oh. Um. And I think that in terms of because it's a mystery what happened to her second husband, why would you that's why that? it's yeah that's why it's so captivating. That's, that's right, why and I it think. is a mystery, and that's the thing. Like her husband did disappear. That that's a fact, you know, and, and yeah, like, like like it's a fact. Like like they're not misstating. Like like it's not like he didn't actually disappear. He yeah. did disappear. He's a missing person. He's yeah. he's he's legally declared dead. Um, but. You know the, the the myth that they sort of build around it for this for this documentary. And I can see why the, people are yeah uncomfortable about it, oh, but it is, yeah, it is a it, lot of fun. It's it's a mystery. She's and and they got the whole backstory that he left his wife and daughters for her, yeah. and she's obviously the much younger woman. And uh, I think I think that they said that he and his wife had like started having kids very very young. So he's gone off and become this crazy tiger breeding wannabe millionaire and then met her on a street randomly while she was running away from her husband. Yeah, yeah. she she was a young young woman running away from home. And and because they've got this and and they're all like, oh, we're very scared of her and we think she's very dangerous and we don't trust her. And and then because there's this element of did she feel, and that's why I think the memes and everything sp- have sprung up around her because 
you know, and I, I love seeing <laughs> just the memes. Like I saw a photo of a, you know, like a front door somewhere in the UK, UK US, I think. And it was like subtitled getting to know our postman. And they just put a sign on the door with, did Carol Baskin feed her husband to the tigers? And then on <laughs> one side of the door they had a sign saying yes and one side with saying no with an arrow. And then they've just the post the postie has obviously just left the um the delivery under the yes sign. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's that kind of it's a mystery and you can talk about it with your friends on Zoom going, Do you think she fed her husband to the tigers? Exactly. What do you think? What do you you know, it's Joe Exotic clearly tried to stupidly hire someone to murder Carol Baskin. Like yes. th- there's, there's no doubt. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, he oh, he's set up. <laughs> but that's the kind of stupid thing that he would do because he's not very bright. No. Whereas Carol has this air of intelligence about her, like her or not, she's the kind of person you could go, well, maybe she would. Mm. Mm. And I think that's why <laughs> we're attracted to her because of that, extra element of complexity also she's she's intensely weird she's a weird person um and she like you know she she has like that nervous laugh and she has a strange energy and you know are you cool cats and kittens (laughs) (laughs) and she just she just is very weird she's a weird person because she's involved in the big cat industry and everyone who is is a weirdo yeah um you know, but but I think well, it's very important to remember that um, Joe doesn't think that Carol Baskin fed her husband to the tigers. Joe thinks she murdered him and then buried him under the septic tank. Oh yeah, fed him, <laughs> so, through, fed him through a meat grinder. Put him through a meat grinder. He said, he said you should DNA test the meat grinder. Yeah, put him under the um, septic tank. There are all yeah. sorts of different different theories. Uh, but I mean, the fact is. The fact that Carol's getting all this stuff, whereas you literally see shots of Joe on his internet TV show shooting a oh, yeah. effigy, shooting an effigy of Carol in the face or putting sex sure. toys in a sex doll's mouth. Like this horrible misogyny, just yes. awful misogyny. And yeah. there's none of that in her treatment of them. It's just you're doing the wrong thing. You're trying to take out trademark. You're trying to uh you know you're making money off tiger petting it you know they're at least not sto- stooping to these terrible terribly misogynistic mm. I, I don't know there's something about these dudes man like they're all um they're well, all weirdly sexually predatory both both the straight yeah. ones and joe who's gay there's this weird like control you know, that Jeff guy, God, he made my skin crawl. Yeah. Like, Doc, <laughs> Doc Antle was one thing with his, you know, her, her harem of tiger girls. Yeah. And that poor, uh, that poor yeah. woman who, like, got breast implants just because it would give her a few days in hospital to rest. Yeah, absolutely. It's oh, like, God. holy shit. That, that's something that, again, like, I, I do want to – I, I want to sort of – set aside some time to talk about like the structure and, and the, 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 the way the show lays talk out. Talk about it now, and... Stu. Let's, let's not. Well, well no, because I do want to just say like, like I just find it really interesting that just every once in a while, it'll, it'll just immerse you in this insanity. And then it just, it just knows exactly when to sort of pull you back out for a second and say, yeah. these people are lunatics. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> these people are predatory, culty lunatics and you should not, feel sorry for them or empathize with them or anything because they're terrible. All of them. 
you know like it just it, it's really interesting they do that at a couple of points uh throughout the show where you sort of you, you're getting deep in it's easy to become you know as as insane as this show is you still do sort of your baseline for lunacy sort of rises as yeah. the show goes on, you know, and, and it just sort of, you know, and every once in a while they just sort of, they just sort of force that line back down. They're like, no, 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 this is crazy. Like when, when Jeff, um, his, his hot trophy wife, Lauren, I think. Yes. Yeah. And she's seen, and they're swingers and, you know, she's hot and younger than him. And then obviously some time passes and she's pregnant and they're yeah. working on the tiger thing. So she's not like perfectly made up and hot. She's just like, looks like more of a normal woman and she's yeah. pregnant. Totally, and yeah. then he's like, well, in a few days we go in to induce Lauren and meet our daughter. And then we get Lauren back in the gym. And then we yeah. hire a nanny, and I'm going to pick her because uh, I want someone and, nice to look at. And that and again, he's that, got, that like, moment pictures of, of the nannies that he has in mind. Like it's yes. like, oh, you creep. Yeah, and she's just sitting there laughing, and you're like, oh my god, I how, what? Oh. <laughs> you know, you know he's a creep, and then he just says something where you're like, oh god, how? I would never have even, I would never even think that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, how, how does your brain work? There was honestly a moment where he said, "In two days, we're gonna meet our daughter," and there was almost a moment of where they looked at each other and they smiled, and it was almost a moment of common humanity and excitement at their impending arrival of yeah. their child. And then he starts talking about how he's gonna hire a hot nanny. Well, he you know, says, like, and then we'll get we'll get her back in the gym and get her back in the gym. And it's like, like that was Dude. the most. The the biggest 180 of like what the and and when you look back it's like totally in character for him but at yeah. the time as a human person watching a pregnant human person be told no, you totally. back in the gym in a few it, it really says something and maybe maybe it's just the way the show's put together and how it's edited and and everything like that but it really says something that of all the insane like predators in this show like Jeff's the one that I'm like no you're you're garbage. You're you're an absolute creep. Yeah. You know, like he's just he's the one who is irredeemable. He has no like Doc Antle is is a cult leader, um, but he's also like a big eccentric character. And you know, we in a weird way, Joe, Joe Exotic is not a good person. He tried no. to have a woman killed, um, yeah. but you know, he also has a weird. Uh, like underdog quality to him, which is obviously why the the filmmakers chose him to to be the fog the focal point of the of the show. He's, he's got this um he's got this sort of personal and they talk about it a bit where he's got this confidence and he just seems to believe. I think it's the executive producer who, by the way, is a great character. I really yes, like that yeah. guy. Again, not a not a hero character, but just the way he lights up a cigarette at the start, going, "Well, where do you start?" And he's got this real drawl and and you're like, how are you real? He just he looks like an actor playing a grizzled old Yes. Yeah, yeah, producer. absolutely. And just uh, anyway, and he, he's talking about how Joe had this strange confidence when everyone else you'd look at him and go, Why are you so confident? How are you how are you so into yourself? <laughs> You know, there's obviously something deeply, deeply wrong. And then I couldn't work out his family situation because early on he talks about his when he knew he was gay and he says that his father made him promise his mother he wouldn't go to his father's funeral or something like that. But then later in the documentary 
you see his parents talking yeah. about – and I assume that was his dad unless it was like a stepfather or something. Yeah, they well, I mean, like, like apparently – like who knows? Like, like maybe he was lying to start with. Maybe he, maybe they reconciled later. Like maybe somewhere yeah. in between. Like you know who knows? Um, like who knows anything? Like <laughs> this this thing is so insane. <laughs> did did you know? Like he had a he had another husband. Uh, before. like before any of the ones that we see in the show, right? Yeah. And, and and he actually died of complications from AIDS. Um, oh wow! So like he he was married like before any of this and, and running, running the big cat park. And like, so his first husband died. Uh, and it's just insane. Like, it's just crazy. <laughs> is this, how is this, how is this a life? Like, yeah. Oh, it just, it just, every, every once in a while, like, like I'll go down like this, this thought path of like, just thinking about all these things and I'll just hit this wall yeah. where it's like, I can't, <laughs> keep thinking about this anymore like it's just <laughs> like how do you how, how is this real how is this a thing in the world yeah <laughs> it's just insane i yeah i completely <laughs> completely understand uh where you're coming from what about joe exotic's music career oh my god uh now, do you know that there's a Millie Vanilli style uh, scandal here? Because, yes. Because uh, you might you might not have uh, under uh, you seen this, but it turns out he doesn't not, actually sing in those yeah. videos. <laughs> He's got some where he sings over the top. Yeah. Um, and it, but the thing was is that I don't know why I didn't because watching it back the second time, it's really obvious that it's not him. It doesn't sound. By the end, like, by the end, I definitely realized that it wasn't him. But yeah, you're right. Like the first time you hear it, you're like, sure, why not? Like maybe he has a deep baritone southern uh, southern country singing style. Yeah. So I yeah, I definitely had had that kind of initial. Wow, he's not like because I don't know country music. It seemed a bit naff. Like the I saw tiger. <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> That is the club. That is the club banger of uh, 2020, by but, the way. But like that, um, the 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 Here Kitty Kitty song about Carol, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's like it's they're not they don't seem that out of character for American country music, if that makes sense. No, from totally. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. From my very removed, you know, there's often these very sort of uh, over the top to me anyway seeming. Um you know, very character-based or there's lots of uh, here's my problems. or Yeah, so I, I suppose I don't know enough about country to really say <laughs> that it's similar or not. But, uh, yeah, it is It is interesting that he in no way ever said, oh, I have these guys sing for me. And, like, and the documentary never questions it either. It never says here's the actual band. Um, so whether they knew or not, um, but it just, yeah, like, it just, it made me think of like Joe Exotic's life because he's working in this park or supervising. I'm sure he didn't do much work, but, um, supervising. Well, certainly, certainly in the early days, like, like he, he's someone who like used to run the park basically by himself and then has built it up to the point where he can basically just use it as this, as this vehicle to promote himself, you know? Yeah. But then imagine going, oh, well now I've got to run my internet TV show. 
and then I've got to record music and record video film clips and <laughs> then I've got to do have legal action against Carol. Like what packed life? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> have to have to have to marry multiple husbands in yes, one ceremony, exactly. which is. <laughs> I, when when was gay marriage legalized or marriage equality legalized I, in America? I don't know, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't in Oklahoma. Like, um, and also, I don't I, I don't know that you can marry two people at once. I, I'm I'm fairly certain it was a civil ceremony. <laughs> well, yes, it was a yeah, it was a it was a um, uh, what would you call it a um, Non-binding, uh, non-legal. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 2015. So 2015, gay marriage is legal nationwide, US Supreme Court. So their wedding was in 2014. So that was very much a... They were trendsetters. Commitment. <laughs> a commitment ceremony. Yeah, yeah. sure. But, but, the thing, <laughs> but the thing was, it was that they were all marrying each other. It was like three husbands. But it was very much... The ceremony seemed to be, oh, they're all getting married, but then it was Joe kissed one and then Joe kissed the other, but then they didn't kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely get the, you definitely get the sense that uh, it, it's Travis, Travis and Dylan, right? Well, like you, you get the sense uh, that Travis, John, Travis, Travis, oh, John, sorry, John Findlay, the guy with yeah. no teeth. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has teeth now. Yeah, yeah, you got got a new set of dentures, but uh, like, so Travis and John, like, you get the impression that like they're not hanging out when like Joe's not around. <laughs> the, the, yes. the, the focal point is Joe. But then they had they had people they had them being filmed like in bed together. Like he had a documentary crew where he's like, come in and film me, you know, day in my life and he's like getting out of bed. Sorry, when I think when Rick, the documentary guy, is filming them. And it's like, well, do they all sleep in the same bed to I know this is not relevant. I know it's not <laughs> I, I know actually, I'm not, you know what like, like I'm the, not the no, other people's sex lives is their business. But it's, sure. it's the logistics, Stu. Are they sharing? I, I know, they... it's fascinating. And you, and you know what's interesting is that the show really does not lean into that like it could have. And I think that's actually like a, a, a mark in its favour. Like it could have really played up for a freak show aspect, the fact that these three dudes are in a relationship. Yeah. And it really doesn't. Because, one, because there's so much other crazy shit to talk about. Yeah. But also, two, you get the sense they're like, you know what? That aspect, go for it. Like, you know, like you guys are living a life. It's yeah. It's fine. Like, you know, there is a there is a weird predatory culty vibe that they bring into it later. But the, the fact that they're in this weird gay uh, polygamous relationship is never... Uh, sort of played for for laughs or for a freak show element in the same way that other aspects of Joe Exotic's life are. Yeah. Uh, which is and, really interesting. And the other thing along those lines, and I, I again, I don't mean to get into trouble here, but I've seen a lot of people saying that um, Saf, or, or in the documentary, uh, they're credited as Kelsey Saf Safari. Yeah. And I will admit that I read that person as a woman in the documentary. Um, I yes, it's yeah, Kelsey yeah. Saf Safari, and there was no mention of gender. There was no mention of the fact that has come out subsequently that Saf is a, a transgender man. And mm. so I went, oh, okay, cool. That explains why they had Kelsey Saf Safari. Um, 
and they didn't make a, a big deal of it. Now, I've seen some criticism since of people saying, oh, they misgendered him through the whole show and they didn't make any efforts to, to sort of point that out. And I, I went back and watching it the second time, I sort of paid attention to that a bit and I don't know that the show did. I think what the show did was show that Joe would refer to Saf as she yes. um, from time to time, particularly when he had his arm bitten off. Yes. But I don't know that they went out of their way to kind of go, uh, you know, I don't think the show sort of went, oh, it's a she, it's a she, it's a she. Um, no, no, definitely not. I, I no. think what – because – the fact that Saf is a transgender man is kind of irrelevant. I'm not saying it's, it's insignificant. It's, absol- it's absolutely irrelevant. Well, it's like, like irrelevant. It, is, it is so far down the totem pole of stuff to talk about. So I, <laughs> yeah. So I, I went, I read Saf as um, a, 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 a woman, a female. Sure, but sure. Then so did seeing, I. But, but yeah, on, on like on later you went, find oh, out. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But it doesn't look like in all the articles that I've um, read subsequently on this. He's been referred to as um, Kelsey, who goes by Saf, and even he's been interviewed yeah. by other people about it. And the the director said to him, "Oh, what do you go by? Or what do you prefer?" And he said Saf. So that's why they included. I think the directors just didn't make a big deal of it because what was the point? I think that they just went, "This is the name of this person." I don't think they've they've changed their name or he's changed his name. I think he just goes by Saf. Yeah. And so that's just a personal preference that he's lived with for years. So I and and everything I've read in interviews where he's gone, oh yeah, but I didn't mind. It's it's I'm I'm pretty chill. Like he just sounds like a really chill dude. No, absolutely. I think the thing is like like absolutely like like people who are concerned about that have a right to be concerned because like it's it's something that is is important to them and it's something that you know is people are still getting slightly wrong, which I think is probably probably they they got it slightly wrong. But again, yeah. I will just point out, not to be dismissive, but the the thing that is interesting about Saf is not the fact that he's a trans man, but it's the fact that he got his arm ripped off by a tiger. Yes. And and yeah. Right. And, like I mean, yeah. that, that's the interesting thing here. And and Let, let's plus, not lose sight plus, of the fact that he got his arm ripped off by a tiger. And was back at work in one week. That's right. Yes. Exactly. Because he didn't seems... want the zoo, he didn't want the zoo to be <laughs> affected by negative publicity. Yeah, that's right. And like, he's, that is just like he's completely the the the, the emotion of of having your arm ripped off by a tiger for Saf is nonplussed. Yeah. At best, like, huh? Okay. And 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 so for me, it was. Showing that Joe, for Joe, Joe was the person who wasn't quite up with pronouns and stuff like that. And to me, that was sort of indicating that I think there's probably a lot of people who who as yet don't quite understand pronouns. No, absolutely. And that's quite funny given that that, um, Joe is actually LGBT himself. (laughs) He's a member of that community. But it's a broad Uh, church. Sure is. If he's a... (laughs) If he's a gay man who he is that bit older, so maybe he's just not quite up to um, up to up to speed sure. yes. with current. And I don't even know that Saf would be like he's in Oklahoma. He's uh, like everyone who Joe has attracted to the park to work there is some sort of misfit. 
well, and they talk the thing. about yeah. that. They talk about how it's a place of misfits. That Eric guy with the blonde hair just turned up one day in town and got offered a job. Like, it's just a place where people seem to kind of just drift. Absolutely, and, and that's one of the reasons that it's so easy to fall into this mindset of rooting for Joe because you know you do you do see him as an underdog. You do see him as as a misfit leader of a misfit army. You know, and it's very easy to see him and his crew as the protagonists of this movie and and it's of this series. And it's it's not like they are not, but it's just it's interesting that that's why I think they fall so easily into that category is because they are all underdogs. They are all, you know, this weird motley crew, you know, and and I was reading also that apparently. uh, Joe is like a hero to local gay kids, or at least he was, you know, in the last sort of 10 years or so. Um, yes. because, because he's, he's out and proud. Like, like he, he makes, not only does he not make a secret of the fact that he is gay, but he like openly promotes it. Like it's yeah. part of his, he's part of his image. Yeah. You know, like, like, yeah, he's the gay redneck gun toting tiger running <laughs> country music star. Yeah. It's part of his brand. But also, um, uh, oh, God, I had a really intelligent thing to say then, Stu. You have to believe me. It's just busted out of my head. Of course I do. Uh, what was it, What were you just saying before then? What triggered my memory? Uh, just that he, he was a big hero to a lot of gay yes. kids in, in rural so, Oklahoma. Yeah, so the guy who did the podcast, Robert yes. Moore, I want to say his name is. I could be getting that wrong. I, I think, think so, yeah, yeah. But he did a bit of an ask me anything on Twitter. Yes, uh, I saw this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somebody did ask about uh, Josh Dial, who was his, who ended up being his campaign manager. And, yes. Uh, and Robert was actually walking with Joe to Walmart, like following mm. him for the podcast, when that guy, Josh, who worked at Walmart, came up to him and went, hey – Thanks so much for being a positive gay role model because he was like a younger gay man. Yeah. And that's how he ended – like Robert was there when Joe first – That was his met. introduction, yeah. That was his introduction. And so, yeah, that's absolutely the case that – Hello, everybody. This is Editing Natalie here. And just at this moment for about 30 to 60 seconds, the Skype seemed to cut out and only be – audible in small popping chunks so i've cut this bit out you know and, uh, what a reaction what a reaction to like, he almost, we're in like he doesn't of. react Thanks. for a long time he, like he, he just sort of looks and then no, and then it's like his, he puts he immediately puts his like his, his hands over his mouth yeah like, like he just he, stares. He, yeah he sees what's happened and then he, he it's like 30 seconds where he just sort of freezes yeah and then he reacts and that is that's so specific that it's actually upsetting yeah. Where it's like that's that's a real person reacting to someone who has just shot themselves in the head. And and, and by mistake. By mistake. Yes. Because probably. he he was joking around <laughs> pretending to shoot him yes. and then he went, "Ha ha, no it's fine. It's just um the caps off or whatever he said, or the safety's off." And then he goes, "Yeah, it's fine." And then holds it up, bang. And he's just gone, "Are you, are you kidding?" Did that just I, happen? That was such an amazing – I actually had to stop and go back and go, what just happened? Yeah. Did he just shoot himself and then try and work out – wait, did he just, like, kill himself on purpose or by accident? Yeah, and they go out of their way to sort of make it – to just sort of point out that it probably was a was an accident. But they also, like, show Travis being really 
uh, upset and, and, you know, strung out in the yeah. days leading up to his death. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, again, like, like pretty manipulative, but also like, you know, that that's what he was like in the days, in the days up to, up to his death. So, you know, you can only, you can only show what, what was going on. Yeah. Just um, crazy. Um, but, but what, what I, what I wanted to say, and, and that, that might be a good way in is the fact that the level, the level of, so something that is so, uh, unique about this documentary and something that makes it genuinely like astonishing to me is the level of access they had to literally everyone who was involved. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. in something like this, like a documentary like this, there's usually one or two key players who don't want to be involved. You know, like, like who was sort of like, no, actually, look, I, 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 I think you'll paint me in a bad light or I think, you know, you're going to, um, you know, be, you, you, you'll, you'll make me look like an asshole or something like, like they, there's usually at least one person who is like, no, get out. I don't want to talk to you. The closest they came to that was the drug Lord who might have been the inspiration for Scarface. Yes. But he then lets them in. Like they they sweet talk their way in and they get yeah. like extended footage and interviews with him. And the thing is, when I say access, I don't just mean like they got to do like a one on one for an hour with with various people. I mean they have extended footage that they shot of like just interstitial stuff of like slow motion people walking around their various parks, interacting with the animals. They have they have uh, apparently they had like something ridiculous like hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage and i believe it because they just these people just let them film them yeah but for what would have been days if not weeks certainly weeks or months in joe's case like they or years literally because they came back multiple times over the years to sort of check in on him but yeah you know even someone like the crime boss they would have been there for the whole day yeah, they they weren't there for an hour. They they got shots of him playing with the tigers. They got shots of him doing stuff like they were. They would have been there the whole day. That that's an insane level of access. Even and we haven't even talked about him yet. The 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 FBI informant guy, right? They filmed him on a jet ski. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> oh Garrett. That's a day Garrett. of shooting. Yeah. Like like you have to get on a boat, go. Out. And whose idea was it? Whose and idea who was it? Did they suggest it? Did who he suggest it? Tiger has the theme music. Does he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's where they. That's where they. They burned their Eye of the Tiger license. That's where they chose to burn it. I'm like, there, there were there were other points in this documentary where you could have blown up. You could have needle dropped Eye of the Tiger, but you know that's where they chose to do it. I'm like, wow. Just and for not like like. And you just think like like that that sequence doesn't like mean anything, but it comes at a point where you're starting to think, hey, what's this guy's deal? Like, well, what's he going on? And what's going on with him? And then they just have this sequence where he's riding a jet ski for no reason. <laughs> like, and again, I just want to stress to anyone who's not familiar with like the filming process, that's a day. Like, like they yeah. spent a day going out filming him riding around like that would have taken a day to get those shots. 
Yeah. Like like that's a whole day. The level of access, and then, you know, to to have the access to like home movies, pictures, uh, you know, like recordings of phone calls where they say about how they're going to go kill people, you know, like just the the the, the detail in this documentary is genuinely astonishing. It's and it's amazing. Me- to me, what it shows with that guy anyway is that how people with egos yes. can't help themselves. And that's it, and, yeah. And the person that I think of the most with this kind of attitude or um, self-confidence enough to go, yeah, I'll just be filmed on camera even though I'm potentially a crime boss. And, look, I don't mean to uh, speak ill of people in, in, in uh, elected official capacities – but there's a real Donald Trump vibe about a lot of these, <laughs> you know, just that whole like, yeah, come and film me. I'm, you know, it's fine. I like there's this ego stroking that the documentary, having a documentary film crew come and follow you around, even That's though it. you might have stuff that ideally you should stay out of the limelight. And again, is it an American thing? Is it an ego thing? Is there a, you know, because there's a lot of um, America. America pioneered reality TV in so many ways, sure, so yeah. many of the excesses of it, maybe, where there's just this natural assumption that yes, yeah, someone will film me, um, and that's okay. <laughs> and and Joe's whole raison d'être was to get a reality show. That was his whole yeah. reason for living yeah. was to, to get a reality show. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's the egos. That, well, that, and not only that, like, like because, yes, like, like the, the reason that they have such access to a lot of these people is because they are all narcissists and they are all people who are like, yes, you, you have a camera, like, you're going to listen, you'll you listen to me talk for several hours? Absolutely. Let me talk to you. Um, but what, what I found fascinating is that even beyond that, like, they spent a while, that they must have spent, again, at least a day with the detective, right, who, who, was managing uh, the disappearance of Don Lewis. Yes. You know, they have shots of him in the, in the police cruiser and walking around town and they have extended interviews with him. And then the one that, the one that absolutely blew my mind was they, they have a, a no, they didn't have a lot of like extra footage, but they obviously talked for a long time to the main prosecutor in Joe's case. Yeah. Who like she? She's a public prosecutor. Yeah. Like she works for the local government, and she and a lot sat of, like, down zooming with them. shots of her looking serious. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. And, and they, yeah, they they did a lot. They did a, a few. It was in the same room, so they didn't get her like walking down the street or something. But like they they took the time to do setups and do like high frame rate like passes of her looking serious in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the public prosecutor. Yeah. You know, like. Everyone wanted to talk to these people, you know, like everyone wanted to talk to these documentarians that they were like, no, 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 I need to talk to someone about this. <laughs> like, this is insane. It's just, it's just crazy. It's, it's, it's absolutely astonishing. The level, the, the, the comprehensiveness of their interviews. There's, there's not a single person except, except really for Travis, but there's not a single person where you're like, oh, they, they, they haven't had their say you know like everyone gets their say everyone gets a fair shake in in that sense like like they they talked 
to these people sometimes for days yeah and they're just like oh yep whatever yeah. but then he does say at the documentary because i've seen some criticism of people saying oh the documentary doesn't have that much structure or it doesn't make a point or whatever oh, that, that's insane which i don't agree with but it also says at the very start i had no idea that this is the film i was going to end up making yes that's right because everything changes this so was about, much this was about illegal reptile selling yeah, because Joe started hiring people to kill Carol Baskin. or And even the fact, the shot that he kept it in where he, someone, I think it's Doc Antle going, yeah, and her husband went missing. And he goes, hang on, what? Her husband went missing? He's like, oh, you haven't heard that? Yeah. And that just sent him down a whole other rabbit hole. Oh. Um, so, I, you know, if there is an argument to be made for sort of a winding path, it's, because of that but also for me it's a study in narcissism and ego and exactly yeah turning your face from that is what kind of gives you the trumps and the you know these sort of snake oil salesmen well exactly Um, exactly uh there's there's a reason one episode is called make america exotic again you know (laughs) like it's it's that same it's that same thing it's just the seedy oklahoma version of it you know, Trump is Trump is president because he's a, a billionaire who lives in New York, um, you know, whereas Joe Exotic l- runs a zoo in Oklahoma. So he's the Tiger King. Yes. Yeah. Just astonishing. Uh, well, just on that, because I really do want to talk about this and I'll, I'll, I'll stop being nerdy in a second. But like just just the, the the people who say that this documentary doesn't have structure are out of their goddamn minds. Um, <laughs> this documentary is impeccably structured. Every single episode ends on a cliffhanger. Yes. Like, this is a documentary. This is real life. It should be impossible to do that. But there is enough material here where you can just keep out, keep doling out little bits of information where you're just like, wait, and, and then what? And, and then what? And, and wait, what? And, and yeah. how? What? What? Like, like rubbing the, your eyes, which you shouldn't yeah. do because don't touch your face, but also don't like, what? Double take. Yeah. All over the place. It, it's astonishing, like the 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 construction of it, and and, and again, like, as I was saying before, like, like constantly reminding you that this is insane, right? Because it, it would be very easy to get lost in the insanity mm. and and actually become kind of boring if everything was just insanity, insanity, insanity all at once. You would you would actually lose interest because it's like, okay, all these people are crazy. What do I care what any of them has to say? But they structure it in a way where they take you from that they give you the setup they give you the basic information that they the whole first episode is about joe is nuts you know and but they they tease you with this idea of but something happened something crazy happened yeah like we think he might have hired someone to kill carol baskin you know and and also he's in jail now how did he get there you'll have to keep watching to find out the second episode Finishes with Doc Antle saying, oh, you didn't hear about that? Yeah, Carol Baskin killed her husband and fed him to tigers. <laughs> tigers yeah. That's the cliffhanger of episode two of yes. seven. And then the third episode is all about that, you know, and, and, and like every episode is focusing on a particular insane element of what's going on and then throwing you forward to the next one. Did this... This documentary is impeccably structured. It is not rambling at all. It is very deliberate. They had hundreds and hundreds of hours of of footage to to work with. 
because everyone involved just sat down with them for hours and hours and hours to talk to them. Yeah. They could do whatever they wanted. And so they just cut the perfect, insane story that you just watch the, the entire way through. There's, it, It's impeccably structured. It, it's, it's astonishing to me. This should win awards. I hope so. I don't, I, I don't know what a, a Emmy, I guess, for... I guess it would be an Emmy. Yeah, yeah. You would definitely um, put it like best documentary, I guess. Like it's yeah, yeah. Limited series, maybe limited edition series. Yeah, they they make a point of calling it a limited series, so maybe that's what they're doing. But um. Yeah, because that's a category at the Emmys now. Right. Yes. Exactly. So. Series. Yeah. I mean, this this takes it in a walk, right? What is it? What is even its um? What's its uh well, competition? I think, I think we might have said this in our ill-fated attempt at a podcast the other night, oh, but yeah. Don't Fuck With Cats was amazing. Absolutely, uh, I don't yeah. know if you've seen that one, but it's it's phenomenal. I still haven't Such, seen it, but apparently it's really good. It's really good, and again, there is some you know animal cruelty elements. They don't outright show anything, but they come up to the line, and they have people talking about what, you know, this guy basically just tortures some kittens on camera, kills them, and the internet goes, oh, no. No, you don't do that. And then just it's a detective squad of internet uh, Sherlock Holmes is tracking this guy down. But it's just a crazy, crazy yarn and how they eventually catch him and what's, what he's been up to. And he, he's just a character, the, the the murderer. Again, massive narcissist, massive ego. And, um, yeah, just fascinating, mm. these, these people. I thought that that would be, you know, your documentary du jour. And then Tiger King just blows everything out of the water. Tiger King comes along like what a month later? Uh, it's, uh a couple and of they're, months. And they're both on Netflix. Like I mean, surely yeah. Netflix would have spaced these out a bit more. I don't know. Like it just it's. I mean, they were spaced out a few months there. I, mean, I, I do. I do wonder. I do wonder whether they thought, you know, like like whether whether they knew. I mean, do you think they knew? Surely they must have known that this was this was going to be a hit. Maybe they thought it was going to be too weird. I don't know. I just, I just wonder if it was a surprise to anyone. Like whether this is this is a thing where they're like ah if, you know if we get a couple of million hits like that that'll be good and then this, it becomes the biggest thing on the planet. Like it's just yeah. it's just as astonishing. I really can't I really can't explain. I really can't state enough like how astonishing I find this documentary. It's just amazing. It's genuinely amazing from from like the subject matter, but also from like a craft perspective, like like just mm-hmm. the way it's put together. Like the the level of access they must have had. I, I'm I'm repeating myself, but it's like I I just find it astonishing. I really do. Yeah. Uh, it's super super good. I'm just trying to think of something else. Given given we've been chatting for a while, we should probably start <laughs> to start to wrap up. Um, well, yes. Any? I've heard whispers that they might be doing another episode. Uh, and then I've also heard that there could be like spin-off uh, series into into like Carol Baskin's husband's disappearance as a separate sort of thing. Sure, uh, that, that that feels like that that feels redundant though. Like I feel like you, you've you've thoroughly interrogated the disappearance of Carol Baskin's husband in this documentary, and I well, think if you were to do like a separate thing, I don't know if one it would not be as interesting. Or... I do. Oh, was it that they've reopened the case? Maybe. Well, de- definitely. Um, the the case was never closed. This is the thing. Like, like it's still technically. I think she had him declared legally dead, but the the yeah. sheriff never closed the case. So right. it's still technically an open case. It's just a cold case. So they always accept tips. So 
after this documentary came out, uh, the sheriff or the, the detective who was working on it uh, actually put out a a call. He said, listen, if you guys, if anyone has tips, if anyone wasn't aware of this or, you know, blah, 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 like, please, you know, get in contact with us. So, you know, the case is still open. Something happened to, to, to Don. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just, we just don't know what. Was he, uh, you know, covered in olive oil and then sardine oil and and fed to tigers i just love stuff like that because what a what a specific thing to say yes right and she sort of giggles she was when she says it she was saying it about joe she wasn't saying it about her husband well no no but, but she was saying she was saying about joe because joe got attacked by one of his one of his ligers um, and, yeah, because you know, they were smelling his cologne on his shoes or something. And, and he claims that someone put cologne on his shoes because apparently cologne, and this is a real thing, apparently cologne drives big cats nuts. Um, so like game wardens and, and park rangers and stuff who work with them uh, never wear cologne because the cats go crazy. Um, so he claims that someone put uh, cologne on his shoes. What it probably was is just the fact that the cat was in a weird mood that day and grabbed him by the foot. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of crazy that well, it's just such a specific thing when she, you know Carol's Carol's talking about Joe being attacked and she's like uh, she's like I I you know he he claims that she might have done it or something like that you know and she's like I I I don't know what would have happened you know I mean you know why would you uh, why would you put uh, cologne on on someone's shoes you know all the cat's gonna do is drool all over it like. What what you need to do is put like sardine oil on someone's yeah. shoes, and you're like, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a specific thing, and she does this weird little giggle while yeah. she says it, and you're just like, oh man, like I don't want, like I'm 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 not buying into the fact that you fed your husband to tigers, but you're not making it easy for me, Carol. <laughs> so so strange. Oh God! What an insane thing! Like, like, just it's, it's so wonderful that, uh, like we said at the start, like it's so wonderful that this show has hit at a time where basically it has a captive audience. But I think, I think that does it a disservice because I feel like this would have this would have blown up regardless so. of whether someone, regardless of whether everyone was stuck at home. But I think just the fact that we are all stuck at home, it does mean that everyone's watching it at the same time. Yes, and so it, it has that event quality. Yeah. And I, I've said this, and maybe it was earlier in this show or maybe it was in a one that didn't work, uh, but it watching it actually made me forget the pandemic because <laughs> I was so captivated because the yeah. pandemic has been like this low-level hum. No matter what you're doing, it's there. And, and obviously for some people it's not a hum, it's an out-and-out fire alarm of, Bleh! you know, so... <laughs> But what I mean is I'll be walking around going, oh, yeah, I need to tidy this up or I need to put this wash on. The pandemic's happening. I need to put the, you know, it's just. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's yeah. there. And this show captivated me so much that I was, I had to, I sort of, my brain went, hey, don't totally forget, forget the pandemic. It. And I went, oh, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten the pandemic. <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten how our whole lives have changed. Oh. Uh, yeah. Th- thank goodness for Tiger King. Yes. It has, it has been a. I don't know. I still feel like it's the kind of thing I might watch a third time, and that's strange for me. There's a lot of things that I should be watching. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get my wife to watch it, uh, and she so far has not done, has not watched it. So, uh, 
you know, she she initially thought it was like a, a mockumentary, like she thought it was like a show, because <laughs> because she saw the 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 ads for it and she's like, okay, so that that's like a, a stupid like comedy, right? And it's like, nope, 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 all completely real. It's a tragic comedy. <laughs> a tragic comedy. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, so that's, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll be watching it a second time soon with with Rose, but yeah, we'll see. But anything else? I mean, as we wind up, anything else that you have been watching, or anything else you would recommend? Because I'm I'm still trying to get through, and I know I keep promising this, but um, some Witcher stuff. Natalie, you have to finish The Witcher. The progress is slow, but I'm I'm sort of slowly working <laughs> on trying to write about it. But I keep – every time I want to do – I'm in this weird thing where I sit down to do something and I go, no, I can't do that until I've finished this project or I've got to finish this first. And I'm finding it really hard because I guess that's the sort of deadline life that I'm used to working. Totally, it's like, yeah. well, this story is due first, so I'll do this first. And at the moment I don't have anything that's due first. Everything's just yeah. – stuff that you can do that's it exactly when you can choose anything it's hard to choose one thing yeah so i was like well do today do i like today i up as i said i uploaded all these receipts and i was like well today is like literally going through folders of receipts taking photos uploading it was just a uh i had a show on or something but it was fairly a brainless kind of repetitive activity that i did Mm. while watching a show and i was like well now i feel productive um And uh, actually, the, sh- the show that I was watching, which I'll point out because I shared it on Facebook because I enjoyed it so much, was um, this uh, documentary uh, or this channel that I found a film critic in America called Lindsay Ellis, who, of course, I posted this on Facebook and immediately got about 17 people going, oh, I love her. She's great. So I'm new to her, obviously. She just yeah, kind of- I, I've seen I've seen a few of her videos. I am not as massive a fan as some of, as some of the people who replied to you. But, yeah, she's really good. She's one of the uh, better ones. So she just uploaded a few days ago an hour-long sort of dissertation about Cats, mm. the musical and how it became a movie and how it was sort of doomed to failure. And it's just very funny and witty and shows – because I haven't seen the movie yet, it shows a fair few clips from the movie and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> wow, it is really strange. <laughs> Speaking of big cats that are insane. Exactly. It's kind of been a year of Cats, hasn't it, or <laughs> end of 2019 into 2020. It's just all been Cats. So I'm no, I'm quite happy with three foster cats. Really, they fight enough for me. <laughs> I I have just chunks taken out of me at different points. From you know, you try and pick a cat up for something and it scratches you. I'm like, I would not want to be near a big cat. <laughs> I mean, I I do, as I've said at the start of the show. Like, yes, it would be lovely to cuddle them, but by God, I wouldn't want to get on its bad side. <laughs> Because a household cat is really damage inflicting, and uh, that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so anything else you've been uh, seeing? Oh, you were tweeting something about Doctor Who, like Stephen Moffat's on Twitter. Oh yeah, well if you haven't seen it, um, so th- this has just gone up recently. Uh, so th- they've been doing a lot of um watch throughs. So so they've been doing a lot of um watches of, of of old episodes on and tweeting about it on Twitter. So Stephen Moffat left Twitter a long time ago, and good on him. But um, he came back uh, just recently and came to and, and start, started up his Twitter account again because he wanted to uh, live tweet a bunch of uh, old episodes. And so he's been doing that and it's been great. But I, I did post on the official Doctor Who website. They've got a couple of uh, short stories by a couple of people. And he, he wrote a, a short story for the 13th Doctor, kind of. And and you, you'll have to read the... The story to sort of see what I mean, but but uh, he, he it's definitely the thirteenth Doctor. It's Jodie Whittaker, so it's Moffat writing Whittaker, and it's fantastic. 
Wow. Like, it's really good. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, the show can be really good if, you know, like, like it does make a difference. Yeah, particularly when Moffat's, Moffat's not running the show and he can just have a cool idea. You can and just like... have a cool idea and, and explore that cool idea that he has. Um, you forget that, like, oh, yeah, that, that's what made him so popular in the first place. Yeah. Uh, that that, that, that uh, story is actually really, really cool. It's only very short, um, so if you – it's just Send on the it to me or did you tweet it? Well, did I you? tweeted it out a little while ago. So if you if you go to my Twitter account at Disco Stew, you you can see that there. Um, the other thing I've been watching, uh, so I have been watching. I don't, I wouldn't recommend it, and I hesitate to mention it because I don't want to sort of. I'm trying not to do as much negative stuff these days. Um, <laughs> just because you know, I think I think we all should. You know, life's short. We should do things we enjoy, <laughs> and we shouldn't spend energy on things that we hate. But uh, oh, we. What a takeaway uh, for the episode, Stu. That's it exactly, but you know, uh, I I re, uh, the uh, Picard on on Amazon Prime recently finished the the follow up the the show with Patrick Stewart uh, reprising his character from the Next Generation uh, Star Trek and uh, it wasn't very good and it was a bit of a disappointment to me now, uh, for I various reasons on the um on the secret uh, Facebook chat group that you I and Greg from the Smart Enough Is to Know Better podcast have that... chat group if we mention it every podcast. Well, it's secret because Dan from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast isn't on it. Well, he's um, also not on I, Facebook, so I mean, it's kind of a oh, by I default know. situation. Oh, I know he's not on Facebook, and I'm saying <laughs> this specifically because he will have been listening to this, and he probably hasn't seen Tiger King because Dan doesn't really like animals, um, so he probably would have like tossed up his nose at Tiger King, going, "The whole internet's watching it. I'm not going to watch it." I'll, I'll go Dan, watch. You're, you're missing out. Watch Tiger King immediately. I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll see that we've done an episode on it and go watch it. No, but my point is, is that he'll be listening to this now, going, oh, they're mentioning that chat group again. <laughs> Not on the chat group. Uh, <laughs> and sort of grumbling to himself. And then he'll say, damn it, Natalie, stop telling me what I'm doing as I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is purely egotistical on my part to, like, specifically call out Dan being uh, petty about <laughs> not being involved in something. Anyway, why did I bring that up? Uh, because um, we were talking about – because Greg and I, Greg from the Smart Enough to Better podcast so and I were, you were talking about having a cathartic uh, rant session at yeah, each other. Yeah, and I, I couldn't um, follow. Uh, I couldn't follow and keep up with what you were saying because the lingua, uh, the language of what you were using, I was like, <laughs> you may well have been speaking Greek. I do not understand Star Trek language. Or indeed Klingon. I will let you have that cathartic vent. Um, and I'll just stand over here. But I did see John Birmingham tweet that he was really enjoying it. So I don't well, know. Well, I don't often say this, but John Birmingham is wrong. Uh, wow. <laughs> hey. Them's fighting words. Yeah, uh, possibly. But look, I mean, I like, I, I, I think the show not only doesn't work as a nostalgia exercise, which I don't think it necessarily was trying to be, and maybe that's a bit unfair to sort of do that, but I mean, why else do you make this show if not for at least partly for nostalgia reasons? Um, but it doesn't work as a show. Like it, there are there are problems with <laughs> plot, character, like just just the the general setup of the universe that they're in. Like there are there are deep fundamental issues with the show, and I think uh, there there are some fun moments and some and some cool stuff and. 
it it sets up again it's one of those things where it sets up a season two that might actually be a lot better but this, this first season has been very very unsatisfying to me anyway i mean you know other people might have watched it and and gotten more out of it but i think you know it's not just me being like this isn't like the next generation that i remember it's like there are there are deep and fundamental problems with this show that are actually fascinating to talk about but i you know you you haven't seen it and that's not what we're really here to talk about today we're here to talk about a different insane show um so it's still getting into context as to uh, what we're doing. But I did want to say I do need to, particularly now that we're in quarantine, I do need to get cracking on that Doctor Who story, uh, which really there's no excuse for why I haven't done it. Oh, but yes. Yeah, exactly. Because then I thought <laughs> what we could do is record it over Zoom and we might even be able to film it and then totally. put it up as like a filmed um, thing <laughs> so people could watch us actually doing this content. Sure. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I know exactly what you mean. I'm terrified by the idea, but let, let's let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have to. We could just do it as an audio thing, but maybe we could do both. Put it out as a podcast, sure. but then have the um, the video element where we're sort of Brady Bunch style in a series of boxes. Uh, here's the story of a lovely doctor who was hanging around with a family who we kind of didn't care about. Um, (laughs) I'm now trying to write the Brady Bunch theme to the There's a project. I can rewrite the Brady Bunch theme. That's that's something to do when we finish here. Yeah. Uh, So, all right. Well, with that, I think um, I'm sure we could talk more about Tiger King, but. um, I I could talk for the rest of the night about Tiger King. (laughs) Look, if we have more ideas or thoughts, um, but I, d- I just want to sort of conclude by saying I definitely took a lot away from Tiger King and I I don't know, maybe I'm a broken person. That, <laughs> well, the fact that so many people went, oh, I can't watch Animal Cruelty, I you know, I can't do it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with it, and I'm not. I don't want it to happen, but I also kind of I feel like it's bearing witness, and I said sure. um, yeah. my cat rescue uh, which is best friends felines. If you do have a spare buck or two, and you don't have to choose them, but uh, I, I am assuming I know I've got emails from the RSPCA and the AWLQ uh, Animal Welfare League looking for for funding or anyone giving because you know animal um, animal re- rescue organisations they can't fundraise anymore. Like for us, our rescue we did Bunnings fundraisers, sausage sizzles. That yeah, was our exactly, main yeah, source yeah. of fundraising, and we can't do them anymore. Uh, we can't have any gatherings for fundraising and even adoptions. Um, the the weird upside in quotation marks of the pandemic is that a lot of people are adopting pets because you know they're being locked up at home. So I suppose particularly if you're if you're a family or maybe if you're on your own and you know you think actually now's a good time to get a pet because I'll have a buddy in the house or we'll all be home with the animal. We could get a puppy and train it, you know. So, um, and that's been lovely to see people adopting animals, which is great. Um, but uh, it's harder and harder to do with the social distancing to do like meet and greets sure. and to make sure that, you know, you've got enough space and uh, try and minimize that kind of interaction. So um, yeah, throw some money to an animal rescue shelter or charity if, if you are so inclined, no pressure, of course, 
everyone's dollars are stretched thin, throw them to an artist. Why not? Uh, <laughs> artists and animals. <laughs> Help the artists and animals. Um, but uh, we have been dealing with a situation uh, up in north of Brisbane, uh, north of the Sunshine Coast, I should say, of a sort of illegal backyard breeder who's a bit of a um, nutbag. Who right. just, yeah, it's such a sad. We we've we've it's been like almost a year, I think, that our rescue's been sort of working with neighbours of hers to like get cats out of there because she just breeds cats to sell kittens for money, right, and sure. she yeah. she kills the ones that aren't the right colours. Um, basically any black kitten or tabby kitten because people don't want them or they don't sell for as much, she just kills them when they're born. So we had an incident this week where we had a bit of an inter-crisis kind of Facebook post of, hey, we need to get some cats out of there. She's already murdered two. There's another three we're trying to negotiate. So she does, you know, trying to get them out before she she just tells us, no, sorry, I'm killing them. And and I I just sort of had this thought of like, oh, maybe I'm desensitised to – Tiger King because you kind of know that people do these horrible things to animals. That's right, um, yeah, yeah. And and it was just like I'm not surprised by this woman because she's been doing this. You know, we've had as a rescue, we've been dealing with this for, uh, as I say, almost a year of this one woman who just sees animals for breeding and, mm. you know, she keeps them in bird cages with no food, no fresh water, minimal food. Um, it, it's horrific. It's horrible. Um, she's been reported, of course, and all that sort of thing. But there's, sure. a, I guess, there's a, you know, many more cases than are inspectors and that sort of thing. Um, so maybe that's why, for me, it's like, well, it's important to kind of witness the suffering of these animals because then you might be more inclined to, when you see an exotic zoo or something that looks a bit dodgy, you might be more inclined to go, no, I'm not going to spend money there, or I'm not going to adopt a cat from someone who has a sign at the side of their house on the road, you know, like, yeah, exactly. So if that's a takeaway I can give to people is, I mean, don't, don't obviously torture animals for entertainment. That's not what I'm getting at, but uh, these things do happen. And I think, um, I think it's uh, witnessing them is part of the change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I totally agree. Like like the idea that, just my take. No, no, absolutely. Like, like the idea that you know, you, you sure you you might find it uh, uncomfortable, and and if anyone like you know genuinely finds it uncomfortable to the point where they can't watch, like don't force yourself to. But yeah, you know, if you're like, oh, that, that I'm not really into that. It's like, first of all, it's not about that really. No. But, but also, like, you should watch it because you know this is happening, and if you're not aware, like. like one of the one of the little uh, subplots just bubbling away in the background that they mentioned a couple of times and then we they never circle back to is that the and it's still going on the 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 big cat uh, rescue act uh, yes. is happening so Carol Baskin is obviously sponsoring that and Doc Antle specifically is really opposing it yeah um, and and he's going so far as to take baby tigers to Congress yes. and get photos with congress people holding baby tigers so that then they can say later on when some of these congress people might say oh yes we shouldn't 
sell we shouldn't breed and sell baby tigers he's like well you you got a photo with one yeah you know like laying the groundwork for that stuff you know like it's crazy it's absolutely and i think like i think that's why and i think this was in the podcast that we recorded that that failed on us but like i have ridden an elephant and i went to the dodgy dodgy tiger temple outside of bangkok (laughs) when i was in thailand in 2009 and didn't realize and probably should have realized that it was probably a bit dodgy, but it was being run by monks, Stu. Surely yeah, monks sure. mustn't be all in it for the money. Like, do you know, like things change and perceptions change. And I think owning, and this is why I'm very honest about going, I kind of like performing animals or seeing, <laughs> you know, a dog jump through a hoop. It's like, you know, it's just a part of my makeup that I want all animals to be safe and happy but if they're safe and happy while jumping through a hoop like <laughs> so much the better yeah like when they do the bird shows and the big cool condors or falcons or some shit just like fly out and take a mouse out of a keeper's mm. hand you're yeah, like yeah exactly that's a good bird like, that's what's a the cool line because like at that point like all you're doing is hunting behavior but you know yeah. like they're, they're doing it on cue yeah like, like falconry if i get yeah. into falconry and I'm not saying that I am into it, but if I want I mean, hypothetically, look, in, in isolation, it is a good way to get things that might be you know, a long way away. Yeah, you can just sort of see the falcon. It's social distancing falcon. That's right, exactly. How good would it be to have a giant falcon in the house with the cats? Like that's that's <laughs> some real win? tension I mean, there. The Who, Who would win? win? Like it's three cats, but against a falcon. Against a it's falcon. Big bird. They've been known to take like small dogs and pelicans and shit. <laughs> like they can they can hunt above their weight like sure. they're not afraid they'll take a sheep at 20 paces i don't know that for a fact but <laughs> uh all right Stu. well we have work to do on more podcasting stuff definitely do. We've got some doctor who stuff well i really want to do the bond series so yes. if you're if you're up for that i'd love to kind of merge that with sort of a written take on a bond film sure. and then record once a week about a bond film so if you're keen for that we'll get the schedule happening absolutely uh and and then welcome people back to uh raven bond as you named it which <laughs> i think is very good uh not double o raven no raven no, it needs to have bond in the title yeah bond is better uh well with that everyone hope you're staying well i hope you're staying safe i hope you have uh, options in terms of your finances. I hope you have support. Uh, you know, I know this all sounds very insincere, doesn't it? But I, it's a it's a shitty time, and everyone's everyone's in the same weird position. So I guess cut yourself some slack. Uh, don't wear pants. Wash your hands. Uh, eat carbs. So many carbs. I don't know about you, Stu, but I'm just – I've really rediscovered carbs. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this has been a, a journey of rediscovery for you this, this uh, last just, couple of weeks. Oh, man. I, I, I don't know what I would do without – I'm having a lot of cheese and toast, and it's, <laughs> it's very comforting to me. It is. It's a simple but tasty. A lot, um, lot of bread. A lot of bread's been consumed. Oh, everyone's baking bread. Have you noticed that? Everyone's doing sourdough starters and shit. Like Dan from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast asked me the other day, have you started baking bread yet? And I'm like, I don't know how. How do you break bread? I wouldn't even know how. I'd have to do a course uh, or at least watch a YouTube tutorial. But I don't have any yeast. I'd, ha- I'd have to 
I'd have to go to the shops to buy yeast or something. That's it. And that's how they get you. That's how coronavirus will get me. Exactly. Through hubris. hubris. All right. Let us depart. Thank you, Stu. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, Best in your continued journalism efforts and to all the journos. uh, What am I? To all the journos out there listening, nobody listens. (laughs) I mean, I don't mean that. I would imagine there's not that many journalists listening. I would love journalists to listen. Yeah, I would love journalists to listen, but also I'm a bit scared because, <laughs> you know, I I am a trained journalist by trade, but I I don't know if people would accept that anymore. Um, so yes, well done everyone for 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 getting through this. It it will end. It will definitely end. And uh, and until then, we will always have Tiger King. We should, we certainly will. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to end out on this one. I think. I think what I'll probably do is use some uh, Joe music. To oh, yes, abso- yeah, yeah, absolutely. So maybe we can be like, I saw Tiger. Well, we know what song it's going to be, absolutely. Now That's I the understand. One. <laughs> I saw Tiger. And the and tiger, tiger saw man. man. <laughs> well, good night, everyone. See you later, everyone. Carol Baskin definitely fit her husband to tigers. Oh! <laughs> See you later, cool cats and kittens. <laughs>